delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. A big show today, so no time for the news, but we're going to have a chat with Andre Heimgartner. He is the news. A great weekend for him at Perth. His team trying to turn things around in season 2022. Of course, his uh, Brad Jones Racing is the team we're talking about, and uh, also some good results from McCauley Jones as well. We'll talk about that in just a tick. Also joining us for a chat, young Brock Feeney. What a fantastic start to supercars he's had with the uh, Red Bull Ampol team at Triple Eight over there. And we'll talk to Brock about uh, the year so far in 2022. Mark Walker and Richard Crowell to join me to wrap up what was a pretty big weekend of motor racing. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, Krause uh, joins us, of course, as he always does at the top of the show. Back from Perth. Uh, how was the experience, buddy? Uh, it's a long way to go, Shebex, but always worth the trip, I think. Wanneroo is a cracking little racetrack. Really good event. Um, loved the vibe there. The, the Saturday was felt major event. The Sunday and the bright sunshine felt like country race meeting. So... Both days had a different vibe about it, but really good racing. Gee, there's some stories to come out of the supercars field from the weekend. There was a lot going on in that paddock and on track as well, which we'll uh, break down for you over the course of the show. But enjoyable weekend and nice just to be back at uh, at Wanneroo, Shebex. A classic, old school, short track, supercars venue. Really enjoyable. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, one guy that had never been there before until he went there to do some radical racing a week before the supercars just to learn the track a little bit i reckon he learned it pretty well brock feeney from ampole racing red bull ampole racing joins us today brock how are you good thanks guys how are you guys going well thank you mate uh it'll be pretty right to say that uh going and having that little bit of a race day in the radicals was probably the right thing to do yeah for sure i think um whenever you can go and drive the track before the race meeting is definitely going to be beneficial and for the start of the championship for me we've that was our fourth round and I've only been to one track and that was at Sydney. So anything that I could do to try and try and get my results a bit better and, and settle into this series a bit easier uh, was a hundred percent a go for. Um, and how did you find it, mate? What was your impression of Wanneroo Raceway in a supercar? It's a, it's a really unique little venue, isn't it? Completely different from anything else we've got on the calendar. Yeah, it is. I loved it to be honest. Um, you know, not every driver's the world's biggest fan of Wanneroo, but I absolutely had a ball there. I thought the track was awesome. In our V8, especially when you come out, out of one, up into four, it's, it's a very cool part. And I think the biggest thing about the weekend was the fans. Like, Perth really got behind it. And as you said, Crowley, like, Saturday night was awesome. The vibe around our signing sessions out the back of the garage, like, we had to cut people off. It was massive, so... The track was awesome, but I think in general, Perth did a great job at hosting the event. And I suppose the great thing, Brock, about doing it in the Radical the week before was the fact that even though the cars are totally different, horsepower-wise, they're very similar. So you got the experience of heading down that back straight into that final turn. Yeah, it was great. And I think to do the Radical and also just drive a different car is always beneficial. And 
I felt like I always get something out of those days where you drive something different. So I'm always trying to drive something, but to do it the week of at Perth where we were racing was, yeah, it was awesome and great to drive a Radical, had a great time. I think the best thing about it was the lap times are only a couple of seconds apart. So that's, that's massive. Um, even though the speed's made in different areas and there was a few different things, it's a track where you sort of need to hit the ground running in first practice. So I'm glad I did it. Um, and, but luckily for me from now on in, I've been to every other track. Yeah. Which is going to be a good thing. And I think everyone else in the paddock will go, Oh no, because so far your rookie season in supercars has been very strong, mate. You're sixth in the championship after the first four events. Is that on expectation? Is it above expectation or is it where you thought you would be at this point in your inaugural season? Um, didn't really put a number on it, to be honest. And, and that's like as truthful as it gets. I didn't, um, especially championship wise this early on, I've just been trying to focus on one race at a time, but, uh, it's been like, looking back at it, it's been a pretty solid start, but like personally myself, I, I know I can do better than what I have been doing. And I think in the next few races, we should be able to show that, but from Sydney, like I felt like I've improved so much. I've already gained a lot of experience, but I got so much longer to go that I felt like I've come a long way so far. The lap times are getting better and, and the race pace has been the biggest thing for me looking after tires, longer races. So I feel like I'm getting a few more pieces of the puzzle at the moment and slowly but surely, I think the results will start coming. And, and in four rounds, mate, it feels like you're now just part of the paddock furniture. It feels like you've been there for ages. Does it still feel that for you or do you still roll out of pit lane around guys like not only Shane, but Will Davo and Waters and Mostert and Bathurst winners and all these guys and go, yeah, this is still pretty cool. Yeah, I think when I rolled out at Sydney, you know, it was a pretty cool experience. Um, and to be at the front of the pit lane, you know, a lot of drivers get in the sport for a long time and sort of never make it to the front of pit lane. But to come in as a rookie, you're rolling out with your teammate as Shane Van Gisbergen's been pretty surreal. But felt like I've certainly, it starts to feel normal now. And the biggest change for me was, you know, racing every three months to racing every couple of weeks now. And it's starting to feel all natural to me and, and I'm getting to know the guys that I'm racing as well. So it's, it's been a massive learning curve so far this year, but I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can, but this year is about learning, gaining experience and uh, yeah, hopefully towards the end of the year, we can put some results together. Mate, the expectation that was there before the start of the season, and I don't know whether it was a, a massive expectation or not, but there was a lot of noise being made by, by commentators and journalists, so we weren't exempt from that either. We all were wondering how you would go this year. Did you hear any of that noise, and was any of it laughable at the time, or, or what was your thought about what was being said? Um, it was interesting to hear what people were thinking, and you know, everyone's trying to put a number on where I was going to come this year, and yeah, some people were where I thought I'd sort of be around, and other people were probably a little bit further back than where I thought. I thought I'd be so it's been interesting you know I don't take any real notice into social media but I like sort of seeing what people think I'm going to end up and hopefully I can prove a few of those guys wrong and how's the process been within the team because not only you coming in this year was a big change but there's been pretty significant change behind the scenes at, at Triple Eight and, and Jamie stepping out of the car into a, a role with the headset on engineering stuff as well how's that process felt from your point of view and that that sort of transition for you 
with the, the new structure behind the scenes as well. I think it feels just as normal. Nothing's nothing's really changed from our day. perspective. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. But I mean, a lot of the teams are questioning how strong we were going to be this year. Mm. Not only how strong I was going to be as um, a rookie, but new engineers, new team managers. Uh, yeah, won't put any names out there, but there was a lot of guys commenting on that they thought we were going to struggle. And, you know, Shane's just carried on from where he was last year, absolutely smashing it. Uh, as a team and a rookie coming in to see us still on top of the team's championship is has been awesome and that's not only from my perspective but Jamie as well you know taking control nothing's really changed you know uh obviously Shane's 99% of those points at the moment but we're, we're still in the mix and yeah I, I don't think there's been too much difference and it's like in any sport isn't it though I mean you could be the best person for your age, all that sort of stuff. You get drafted to a team that's on the bottom of the ladder and haven't won a game for three years. All of a sudden, you're going to struggle. It's just seeing, for you though, you got drafted into a team that's been strong for so long, the best team around. You're going to, you're giving yourself every chance to be not too bad. Yeah, I, I suppose that's one way to look at it. But um, yeah, it's, still had to be given the opportunity to get to where I am. And I think last year sort of, um, yeah, did everything I could to prove that I was capable of getting that seat. And, you know, lucky enough, I had RD believing in me and, and so was Jamie and the rest of the team to give me this promotion. But, you know, to be in this top team is, you know, there is certainly a lot of pressure that goes with it because there's a lot of results expected, but the team's been very supportive with me and getting me up to speed and, I think they know, you know, that I expect a lot from myself. And at the end of the day, they expect a lot from the team as well. Brock, you mentioned that RD and Jamie believed in you and gave you the opportunity, which is fantastic. And they, they certainly did. Was there a drawn out process in regards to this? Were there other people in line for the seat as well? Did you know about that? Did, did this whole thing go over a whole period of time or was it just you were pretty much the one that they were speaking to? Um, yeah, it was, it was quite a long plan. Um, I think I was plan A and if they needed to, they'd go to BCD, but, uh, this, the talk started at the end of 2020 towards my end of my first season in super two, uh, RD sort of spoke to Paul Morris who looked after me and, and still helps me out a lot and said, Hey, Jamie's going to retire at the end of 2021. We want to put Brock in Super 2 next year. And if he does a good job, we'll give him the drive. So towards the end of 2020, I, I knew that this was on the cards. And then I joined them in Super 2. And yeah, for the first six months before I got told I was getting the drive, it was all about trying to perform and trying to win that Super 2 championship. And I always said, if I can win the championship, I feel like I'll be deserving of a drive in main game. Fortunately enough, it only took three rounds and RD gave me the call and said I got the drive. Um, tell me about having Shane Van Gisbergen as a teammate, Brock, because there are moments that we sit back in the media room or in the commentary box and go, how the hell has he done that? Is it a similar thing in you and your debriefs? Do you sit back and look at his data and go, that's extraordinary? Uh, it's pretty amazing. And I'm so fortunate to have him as my teammate, especially in my first year of racing. A lot mm. of people probably look as it as a downside, but I want to be doing what Shane's doing and that's dominating the series. So if I can learn as much as I can off him and at the end of the day, we're in equal equipment. So I know whatever I do um, and I can see where Shane's results are, that's where I can achieve. So 
I mean, you don't just look at the data and go, oh my God, it's doing one thing completely different to me. But the biggest thing that he stands out from the rest of the drivers, and I'm happy to say it, is his racing. Mm. Like he's the guy that can pass anyone on the track and makes it look easy. So there's that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to learn at the moment is the race craft. And when you're back in the pack, how to position the car to get past those guys. It's an acquired skill though, isn't it? It's not something that you could just watch Shane do something in race 10 and then you go out and do it in race 11. No, it's not, but you can learn from a lot of the yeah. stuff that he does. But I mean, me and him are getting along really well. So I can still sit down and chat to him about, about some stuff and, and go through a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, if you watch the races, I mean, he's a level ahead of everyone at the moment and he's just showing how good he is and everyone's going on about he's at the peak of his career. He's just dominating it. So anything that I can learn off his race craft is certainly going to help me in the long run. But, you know, as we all do, we want it now. So Mm. it's I'm hoping it's a long career ahead for me, but I'm just trying to do everything I can to fast track this progress and make sure I'm, you know, up there uh, battling with him soon. Uh, last one, mate. Um, Winton next. So you go from nice blue sunny skies at Perth. And if it's not snowing at Benella at the end of May, I'll be surprised. And, and a different school of racetrack again. But as you said earlier, one you've been to, just give us your thoughts on heading to that tricky little place. And then obviously after that, we're in the in the top end in the territory. So a couple of cool events to come. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think this is... You know, when you look at MotoGP and F1, it's like when they go back to Europe and they go back Mm. to their normal tracks that they race at. So I feel like we're heading back to our traditional calendar where, especially the places where I've been to before. Unfortunately enough, I've got a rookie test day at Winton um, in a week's time. So that'll be a couple of weeks before the race. So I'm looking forward to getting there. A day in the car at Winton is going to be awesome. Not only for myself, but for the team as well. Obviously all the Victorian teams test down there and, we haven't been there for, I think, three years. So it's going to be good to get the car back up to speed. But I'm looking forward to it. I felt like, you know, hopefully I can sort of start kickstarting the rest of the year and, uh, yeah, try and finish on a strong note. Good on you, mate. Congratulations on the year so far. It's been a fantastic start to your career. And let's hope that it just keeps getting bigger and better for you. All the best for Winton and the remainder of the season. Thanks very much for having me on. Rock Feeney joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, Krause joining us now as a man who had a pretty good weekend. He hasn't had a bad year, actually, as he keeps improving race on race, as his team does as well, Brad Jones Racing. He's had a couple of weeks to acclimatise himself over to that Perth weather. Andre Heimgartner is the man we speak of, and he joins us now. G'day, Andre. Hi, guys. Good to be on the show. Good to have you on the show, mate. How much of an advantage was it for you to be over there in Perth for a couple of weeks before the race and get sort of used to that time zone and that weather and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it always helps. It's um, obviously Perth is a very long way from anywhere else and I live in the Gold Coast, so you can't really get two opposite sides of Australia. You're on a True. plane for bloody net five and a half hours or whatever it is and you haven't even left Australia. It's ridiculous. You can go to New Zealand and back almost that time. So yes. It's... <laughs> It's an advantage to come in early, get used to the time zone, as you said. And myself, I struggle uh, with my sleep patterns and stuff like that. So it was really good to come here, get in that zone. Um, and then when the weekend came, it was no drama. Obviously, my partner's family's from here. So it's good also to see some family, some friends, and just uh, start the weekend nice and relaxed. Now, let's go straight to it, mate. Race two of the weekend, 
you get four tires on the car and you get a late race safety car. Did your eyes just light up and go, yes, this is the, the break we've been looking for this season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's been the last two rounds, especially were pretty tough. We had lots of little dramas with the car, which hamstrung us a lot. And I knew this weekend we could get some results. Uh, I didn't think we'd, would be quite getting third, but yeah, on the safety car, um, I was thinking, oh, shit, well, this has played into our hand nicely here. And um, uh, But sometimes when you're in those situations, it actually doesn't work out as you think. You know, you think I got four tyres, blah, blah, blah. But um, the guys at the front often, you know, are just so speedy. Um, and, you know, our car just wasn't that as fast as theirs. That often they can just hold you off or, you know, you burn your tyres up. So um, there's still a bit of doubt, but I, um, you know, knew that would be in, in contention. The weekend itself for the team, everyone seemed to go along pretty well. Um, yeah, it was good. Macaulay is good in the practices. Yeah. He's in the top 10 in both of them. So me and him, we have very similar driving styles. I'm trying to help him where I can. And um, it's, um, yeah, working really well between us two. I think Bryce had a bit more of a, a challenging weekend um, just to try to find a setup and stuff like that. But look, as a group, um, this weekend was a, a good step forward, especially for our side of the garage. Mate, it, it, it's been a challenging year for BJR. I, I think that's been obvious to see. Where have the biggest struggles come, do you feel, so far this year? And, and taking into account that you've had some great results already and, and Sydney race two stands out and, and Simmons Plains, you had strong pace early. But it, it feels like it's been a challenge from the outside internally at the Albury team. Yeah, it's, it's been just one of those things. We I put it as in, you know, lightning has struck, strike, a few times and um, that's had big impacts on things like getting taken out, my engine blowing, which was all within Ks um, and just a few little other things like that, that just line up to really disrupt your flow and how everything's going. So I think, you know, if we, we were able to get through Tasmania without that crash and my engine blowing up and that, we'd be obviously a lot better off. And then going to AGP, we actually weren't that bad. We probably mm. should have ended up about 10th and around that number. Um, but we had issues with our equipment that's helped set up the car. So we were getting dud readings from equipment, which meant the car wasn't handling properly. And, and once you do qualifying, obviously you're stuffed for the races, even if you sort it out. So um, it's been tough, yes, but I think it really um, isn't as bad as what you know the potential of the team has been. So we're just trying to minimise those mistakes. Last weekend, pit stops were Amazing, as you know, they have good pit stops. Yeah. We had no errors. Everything went smooth. So I think we're on the other side of that now. And, um, you know, we had a bit of good luck, as you said, with the safety car. So I think things are starting to go our way, which is good. For yourself, mate, uh, is there much to do in regards to getting used to a brand new team? Is it a, is it a, a big part of the, the start of the year for you, trying to get your, yourself into the team, get into everyone's head, know what everyone's doing, all that sort of stuff? Um, yeah, I, I guess it's a new challenge. It's as good as a holiday, and I've actually really enjoyed being in the team. Brad and all the guys, as everyone knows, they're such a family team. Everyone in Albury, they're all mostly country guys, so it's a good laugh. And uh, when I even watch the, the BGR cricket team, they're bloody hopeless. But it's a good <laughs> laugh, and they all just yell at each other and get stuck into each other, and that's the culture of the team, you know. And it's really enjoyable to be to be there. Um, and it's made it really easy and cruisy. But there has been a lot of things to get used to. But we came out the gate, first race, qualified fourth. So um, to answer your question, there's been a, a few different things. But majorly, um, 
nothing that uh, I guess I've had to get over or, or try and figure out to sort of unlock speed in the car. You Kiwis are pretty good at cricket, mate. Do you get involved in said cricket game? And, and if so, what are you? But I, I imagine you as like a medium fast bowler and you maybe come and uh, swell the bat a bit in the middle order. <laughs> no, no, I used I played a little bit of cricket back in New Zealand uh, in the early days, but um, I haven't really played it for so long. We did a cricket match in uh, Townsville uh, last year, I think yep. it was, um, and I was pretty useless. So um, <laughs> I think I'll stay away from that for now. <laughs> Actually, it's an interesting question. Is there a sport that does take your fancy outside of motor racing? Is it rugby union? Uh, no. Well, being in New Zealand, my mum actually wouldn't let me play rugby. She's like, didn't want me getting hurt, but go yeah. figure I raced the car. So <laughs> it's a bit contradicting there. <laughs> but um, I think my dad didn't give her much chance, but I could only choose soccer. So I actually played soccer up to a fairly decent level in New Zealand and I had motorsport and soccer and I had to pick between the two what I wanted to progress with. And obviously I took the racing point of view, but um, I don't watch much soccer, but I did play a lot of it. At the moment, tennis, I guess, is what I'm into now. All my friends, my partner, um, she smashes me in tennis. So uh, I'm uh, working that out at the moment. Is it part of your training as well, mate? Do you use that as, as part of your, your keep fit regime? Yeah, well, it's just trying to mix it up. I've, I've done so much um, weight training stuff with 1% uh, for so many years. And now I'm just trying to do something else to keep myself interested so i'm doing a lot of running macaulay is obviously a, a, a very very fit guy and he's mm. well into his running so i've been working with him and trying to get my running fitness up and do some competitions late in the year with him which would be awesome uh but just whatever i can to keep myself you know mentally fresh i guess yeah it's uh a lot of the guys get into cycling don't they is that something that you found yourself yeah. enjoying but unfortunately, where I live in the Gold Coast, you end up being a pinball with the amount of <laughs> yeah, cars there. And you, you, ride, you ride your bike down the road and everyone looks at you like, what the hell are you doing riding a bike? Yeah. It's, like, it's like they're looking at you like you're the weirdo. So yeah. anyway, I put that to the side for now because <laughs> I don't feel like uh, rocking up with a broken leg would be well appreciated. No, I don't, think, I don't think Brad would approve of that somehow or another. Um, let's look ahead, mate. Winton, next stop. Uh, it's a track BJR has traditionally gone extremely well at, and, and you can talk up the hometown analogy as much as you like, but their strike rate there is very, very good. Fabian back in the day had a win. Tim Slade had a win, both of them in the, the Freightliner car as it was. So it's a track where the team traditionally goes well, test venue as well, but but a different sort of layout. So what are your thoughts going into that event? Uh, yeah, we really don't know what to think. I think, you know... Um... Obviously, as you said, we've had that past success, but um, at the last time we went there and in our testing, we, we don't feel it's particularly a strong track when we list all our strong tracks throughout the year. Mm. Winton isn't one of them. So I think we have some confidence with what we've had in the past, but this championship evolved so much, you know, and everyone's moved on and it's all moved forward. So um, I think it's anyone's guess, but mate, a test day the week before around is gold. So we'll be working hard to figure out all sorts of different little things that we can do that will help on that weekend. All right, mate. Well, we wish you all the best. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a tough start to the year, but it's, things are getting better and some good results in Perth have hopefully helped the team work some things out and move forward from there. All the best, mate, for the remainder of 2022. And we'll see you at Winton. No worries. Be giving a good go. Good on you, Andre Holmgartner, joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Thanks.
All right, Krause, joining us for our regular chat at the end of the show is Mark Walker. Hello, Mark. Misha Becky, Richard Krause. Good to hear your voice, Richard. You've got one. Yes. Right now. <laughs> yes. The uh, I can't believe it's not COVID last week um, <laughs> was was a struggle, and um, we the uh, yeah there was some some vocal maintenance going on uh, over the course of the weekend where my voice was heard on the um, uh, Radical Cup Australia races on Fox Sports, and uh, I tell you what, when you're getting over a really bad chronic sinus infection, two forty five minute races are not the tonic. Not even slightly. Uh, so I'd like to thank the great Lou Missos who runs our commentary box for um, his ongoing provision of pineapple juice, which oh. is the absolute trick for looking after one's voice. Um, and um, certainly not sponsored, but they could be um, butter menthols. Thank you. They uh, saved my life. Yeah, no, Lou's amazing at doing that sort of stuff. What a legend. And you don't see enough butter menthol motorsport sponsorship do you really no i um, i think alan's are missing a real trick uh we, we've got a very orange color scheme we, the group. we do we do i think it just works um <laughs> if you could ship 15 boxes of the honey scented ones to trt hq we will do lots of many things uh so we'll, we'll make sure alan's hear that but um no it was a good weekend in the west uh thoroughly enjoyed it nice to go back to wanneroo it's a good racetrack really good racetrack and we wrote about it in the power rankings on the racetalk.com. Thanks to Doric that the circuit looks a million bucks. WA Sporting Car Club have done a tremendous job. Place really well presented. Um, really cool event. What I found interesting, and we touched on it in our chat with Andre, was that, uh, was it Brock? One of the two. Was that the sun, the Saturday felt like a major event. Mm. So the, the, all the hype and all the marketing had built up to that night race. Um, and the day felt large. There was a great crowd there, really, really good attendance, and it felt like a major event. The, the funny thing was the Sunday, while there was still a good crowd, it wasn't as, as big. It was probably 70%. Um, it had a completely different vibe about it. It felt like a country race meeting. Uh, it was really, really good. Loved it. Um, really interesting. Like Two very distinct days of motor racing, at the same circuit. And I've, I've not felt that Sydney Motorsport Park didn't give that vibe, but, but Wanneroo did. And, and I really liked it. I think the Saturday, because it was such a long strung out affair, if you're a f hardcore fan and you had one day on the weekend, you could go, you'd go on the Saturday because you've yeah. got all the Friday practice thrown in for nothing. Mm. And you had that super two race, which was the most ridiculous thing mm. I've ever seen. Well, like I literally had to go back and watch that on Sunday night, just for the moment for the unidentified driver went full Chernobyl on the team radio. Like it was the most massive meltdown you've ever mm -hmm. experienced. Go and listen to it on KO because I'm pretty sure it's not going to get shown <laughs> anywhere in the highlights reel on the website. Uh, it is just the most immense quality and quantity of meltdown on an in-car radio that's ever happened. It was amazing. Yep. Great to hear. Great to hear people still have feeling. An emotion attached to motor racing. Well, there was plenty of it on the weekend. I'll give you the hot tip. Yeah. Well, just the number of people peeing on the rev limiter at various moments. So the, the Super 2, 3 race aside, every supercar race had some form of moment where someone was massively aggrieved with the way their life was panning out at that point in time. And even Mark Scaife had a little bit of a... <laughs> an yeah, over-the-top well, moment, didn't he? Neil had to leave the commentary box because I thought they were going to box <laughs> on for a while there.
that was the um the red flag wasn't it in race two with with the interpretation yeah, scotty of, pie yeah scott pie v jack lebrock so yeah it was um what's your take on that um <clears throat> I didn't see it unfold live, unfortunately, so it's hard to get a read. But my, I'm probably somewhere on the fence in the middle in that Jack probably could have lifted, but then Scott probably could have given him room. So 50-50. But, yeah, I don't know. The rule is that if, if there's overlap, if the car is even slightly alongside, and clearly was because he turned him into the fence. <laughs> that's, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, Jack. Yeah, he said as much in post race. If I just let him drive me off the road or lift, they're going to do it to him every time. Yeah. So Scott Pye doesn't go in that fence if Scott Pye doesn't try and do something to Jack LeBrock. If he gave him space, he wasn't going in the fence. The big mistake that Jack LeBrock made in all that was apologize and admit any guilt at all. Mm. Going mm. down and apologizing, if there's a 50 50 uh, fender bender in the Coles car park, you don't admit any fault. Never admit fault. No. That's no. that's just as good as as lifting. Yeah, yeah. Your insurance company's not going to pay out if you're admitting fault for sure. So yeah, hundred percent right. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that at all. It just it was a series of unfortunate events though in the way that the accident then unfolded. In that where Scott hit was the gate leading into pit lane, and but it always happens like that at yeah. Daytona or wherever. It's it always just, the gate. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, just Murphy's law, but. Um, yeah, that was really unfortunate. I, I will give massive credit to both Supercars and WA Sporting Car Club and, and the ops people there to to get it fixed because it was huge damage to that gate and it is a safety item and it's a safety issue and it's not so much the gate being broken, it's the, the fact that it was indented so far beyond the level of the wall. So you need from a safety point of view if another car goes into that wall and and this is why they fix the tire bundles is you have to imagine that another car is going to crash there might not but the reason they repair these things is because you have to be prepared in case there is another accident and if you leave a piece of wall jutting out six to 12 inches from where it should be and another car barrels in there it's just going to do even more damage so that's why they had to repair it I thought they did a great job and and well done to everybody for getting the program back on track to the point where we lost an hour, but the final race started and finished at exactly the time it was supposed to. So that's, that's pretty good race management from my point of view. I thought that was really well done. Just unlucky if you're a historic touring car punter. Well, if they'd not ballsed up their first race of the weekend, <laughs> so utterly catastrophically, then they might've got three races anyway. That's not a race lap on that first race, was it? No, it was pretty embarrassing. Mm. But uh, anyway, that's the way it goes sometimes in uh, support category land. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, winner on the weekend, SVG Wiz. Yeah. It's silly, there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So he's won eight races, 150, what, seven point lead in the championship now. Um, we wrote in the rankings that there's a real chance that he'll lift the Supercars Championship before the AFL and NRL titles are awarded at the end of October. It's just remarkable um remarkable thing we're experiencing here and and he's the only bloke with any form of consistency in the entire yep. paddock yep it, it's ridiculous like you look at anton in second has had a 23rd and a 20th will davison's had two 16th and a 24th cam waters has had an 18th and a 21st so shane's had one finish outside the top six and that was that last race at albert park but outside of that, it's been win, 
Yeah. He's, he still won that weekend. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Correct. But for, for mine, it was that just playing with them in that last race. All right, yeah. we're in the lead here. We're going to cruise to the victory. Uh, by the way, Shane, you're not actually leading. Oh, that's all right. I'll just go a lot faster and win the race. Yeah, yeah exactly. What a joke. Yeah. It is that good. It's just way too good for the rest of them. Yeah. Just let's concentrate on the battle for Class B because Class A is done and dusted. Don't worry well, about it. I reckon Supercar should put like 100 grand up for second in the championship this year. No, no, put a bounty up to beat him. Well, well, yeah, but that's no one's going to beat him. That's the problem. So we may as well just go, he's won the thing. Let's let's have the world championship for second place because right now it's a nice could, story. It, it could be anybody. Like you go down to David Reynolds, certainly could finish second in the championship based on recent form. Like, yeah, but no one's going to beat Shane, surely, surely. Will Shane beat himself? No, no, unlikely. Yeah, doesn't seem like it. I mean, he, he can win a championship with broken everything and can yeah. time COVID perfectly. Well, like we know he could drive. We know he drives with a broken collarbone. Yeah. That's yeah, well, on this year. He doesn't even miss a round because he gets COVID. He gets it on the weekend off. So <laughs> the, the best chance they've got is that he gets picked up by a WRC team. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Which he might do because he can, he'll be at a point where he's 300 points in front. He can skip around and yeah. it wouldn't, it wouldn't worry him. It, it's quite remarkable, but, but feel good story was certainly race two. Um, Will Davison finally breaking through. 2030 days after his 2016 Bathurst win. The Even though irony... a lot of people on Twitter will tell you he didn't win. No, he definitely won because the other car got a penalty. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter if you didn't agree with the penalty. I, the penalty I... was awarded. I agree. So, so the, the thing was, and I think a lot of people missed it, was the story on Speed Cafe where they talked to Berto. And this is what he said. He yeah. said, the pass was done. Yeah. Davison got up the inside cleanly, made rotation. Correct. My interpretation of what Cam did then, he becomes the car that's been passed and the onus is on him to concede the corner. Yep. He made a very clear decision very early in the piece of, I don't have any other option but to get on the throttle, open the stereo up and go around the back of the curb. And the thing is, the back of the curb's out of bounds. Yep. They ran through it after the third race in Larco's rundown. They showed footage from 2018 where the back of the curb was in play. And everyone went there because it's the fast way around. And it's yep. clearly the fast way around because Cam made an advantage off the track. Yep. So on so on that mark, even if he had a, just come back into second place, he still would have been penalised. No, because no, he, wouldn't, he have. wouldn't have made an advantage. He wouldn't have, okay. Mm. But even though he went off the track. But other others went off the track, but they didn't make an advantage. And I yeah, think okay. a right. part of the angst that everyone's got is that that's the first penalty that's been dished out for that. And obviously there might've been a level of inconsistency. Berto says that they, you know, he could only deal with as much as put in front of him at a given time. Do they need to take the human element out of it? Because they've obviously got a timing line there to figure out the curb strikes. Mm. That's a very scientific measure that they use all around the place. If you cut a corner, they know that you've cut a corner. Then is it that hard to program Nats off to flash up if you're faster than a given time or the cars around you, if you've gained an advantage, then you automatically get a penalty. Then the discouragement is on you to readdress your situation. If you know that you've gone out of bounds, you can decide either to plow on and be a hero about it or back off and not get a penalty. I think it's going to be very easy to self-police that, but yeah, what do you do? Yeah. I'm not does that sure make if... sense or am I? No, am I no, it does. I'm not sure if Natsoft... But you get some uh, boffin to, to just know, have I, the screen flash up. You I know, don't know if it's hard. got the technology and built into it to do that. It's not the world's greatest they, timing system. But They've got alternate screens and stuff yeah, that they well, can derive well, this, from this, the same This car. is the kind of thing that Hawkeye 
should be doing the Hawkeye system that they're using as well. But um, no, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, but yeah, it, it you just... take that human element out of it, then there's no one angry at better. Mm. Yeah, but A, I don't think Beto cares that people are angry at him. And B, he made the right decision, in my opinion. I, I think it was 100% correct. Oh, 100%, yeah. Um, and yeah, that that interpretation that you read out that he said to speak FA, and full credit to for Beto to speaking to them as well. Um, and that that's the kind of um, transparency that they need to happen. And, and that is very, very good from supercars any day from Speak Cafe for writing the story, but good clicks for them. That would have been perfect for what we saw in the E-Series in the last couple of years where they would cross to Beardo. Wouldn't that have been lovely if they could well, have in the commentary actually gone to Beardo and said, what'd you give it for? Yeah, d- difficult to do mid-race because he's obviously flat out with all of the other stuff going on and we, the stakes are a bit higher than the E-Series. We've been through this in Formula 1. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, too, a, yeah, too yeah, 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 yeah. Hello, Michael. Um, but it's, Sorry, um, but I took away from your praise of Will Davison. Yeah, no, it was tremendous. And just there were very few people, probably Cam Waters, one of them, that would talk down the fact that he's finally won another race. It was really well-deserved. He's had so much car speed this year. He's been every bit as quick as Anton, both in race pace and in qualifying. And Anton was supposed to come out and be the next McLaughlin and destroy everyone. So I think this year has been very good for Will Davison's career as a whole. But it was just so frustrating that he just for whatever reason that the team had not been able to convert. So it was great. And you know what? I absolutely love the historical irony that his two wins, 2000 days apart, both came (laughs) from the car in front, carrying a 15 second time penalty that would ultimately drop them behind. Like that just in the history books of supercars, that will be one of the weird quirks that Aaron Noonan will dole out when he's 75 years old. Yep. Um, And I love it. I think it's great. Well, I, I love the full sentence, sorry, Shebex, that right. it was just absolute airmail down the inside, but he got it done. And it was Waters putting mm. right hand down into him. It wasn't that he got doored by Davison like Waters yeah. claimed. It was, it was uh, such an unreal Davo move, yeah. though, wasn't it? Like, he's normally not that real hard, aggressive style racer. He's much more composed and sets up a move. But that was the Van Gisbergen send. That's the kind of yeah, stuff was, that Shane it? does. Yeah. No, you're absolutely spot on. Well, if they were the two winners, who were the two losers? WAU definitely have to be one. Pretty easy, isn't it? Pretty easy. It's car car two and car uh, 25. Wharton, absolutely shocking weekend. And they are kidding themselves, Mark, if they think they're going to win a title this year. Doesn't matter how good Chaz is at every other round. You're not going to win a title by rocking up one weekend and finishing 22nd, 12th and 19th. Wasn't good enough, was it? I mean, we, we've bagged Tickford uh, in the past for some of their weekends that they've had, but they haven't mailed in one that bad, have they? That was just the qualifying was just appalling. And mm. it's just a team that we're expecting to do decent things. It's the only team up to the weekend that had managed to beat Shane Van Gisbergen. Yep. Consistently. And were, yeah. And they were absolutely pee nowhere. So uh, which walk and shore do we get at Winton? Don't know. Well, well, based on Chaz's year, we'll probably get the good one because they've gone good weekend, bad weekend, good weekend, bad weekend. So, yeah, maybe it's just every other round. So stay away from them at Darwin. They could be right down the back of the field. But, yeah, it's so strange. And I, I feel for Nick Perkat as well because Nick's in really good touch as a driver, but he's dealing with a team, a new team, a new environment, new engineers, all that sort of stuff. But 
they're the most inconsistent team in the paddock at the moment. And it must be so hard getting up to speed in that environment um, in a new car and a new team for the year. So he's mired down in 16th place in the championship as a result, which is not reflective of where I think anyone thinks Nick Perkett should be sitting in the standings. So another big one for mine was that Mark Winterbott on qualifying two Sunday, well, the first qualifying on Sunday morning where he just wobbled into the path of, mm. I mean, he did us all a favor by putting Van Giz back in 11th, <laughs> which was pretty nice, <laughs> nice community service that he did there. But that's the problem. Oh, I'm so scared of that track and that exact thing happened. I've seen it so many times over the years. Mm. Slow car wobbling into the path of someone going warp factor 10 mm-hmm. down in that final turn. Oh, it's, it's not nice. And I know the officials were, seriously pissed about that happening again because they had all been told in driver's briefing about that and i.e don't do it and and the common train of thought was that if everyone just has the go point at turn six it doesn't happen you get on it at turn six and you have to go hard from there to turn seven it's as simple as that same for everybody but for whatever reason that didn't happen yep and correct me for my memory's bad as you know didn't last time we raced at wanneroo didn't we have a major incident due to that that they were all going slow down that back straight and someone uh, had a... No, but I think there were 400 new misses. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The other uh, just, thing... Go on, Shrex. I was just going to say, just on the WAU situation, you guys are more aware of the technical stuff than I am. How does it happen to a team that they drop off so badly in a two-week period? Well, if... if and I, I know can, it's a different track and all that sort of stuff. If I can tell you, I, I, I'll be uh, selling my services as an engineer at WAU and making some money to fix their ways because they've got no idea at least yeah. not and not outwardly but it's a, it, it's like a for one of a better analogy an afl team who's won five of their first six matches and then they lose by 120 points the week after you're talking yep. about Carlton Correct. here aren't you yeah but yeah you're right <laughs> possibly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hello to crusher um yeah no yeah i don't know don't know if I had an answer. Like I said, I'd sell it to them because uh, to get them back to the front of the field, they were just nowhere. But this is the thing, boys, isn't it? This is the championship of inconsistency. And unless you are Shane Van Gisbergen, and to be fair, Brock Feeney, who, yes, he's had a couple of finishes outside the top 10, but he hasn't had the massive yo-yo stuff that WAU, that Tickford, and even to an extent DJR have had. So Feeney... You know, he had a 14th in race two at the Grand Prix and then a 12th in the last one. But that's as bad as it's been. Otherwise, he's been hovering around that 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th position. So he's been quite consistent as well. Yeah. Um, And the only other one you throw in there at the moment, his season started poorly, but it's David Reynolds, who had a quiet weekend, but still banked finishes of 4th, 11th and 6th for Penrite Racing. So they're actually pretty decent too. But everyone else is nowhere. You're good one weekend and you're shocking the next. Have Tickford turned the corner? I mean, we can never say. I mean, it goes back to that inconsistency that you know, we're talking about. But we, we thought finally they, they had the... two, two cars in the top 10 all weekend long. Well, we thought mm. they turned the corner after Townsville 2 last year when yeah. when they were nowhere in week one and Cam came out and smoked them all in week two. But it was a false dawn again. Uh, if they deliver a good Winton, then you'd go, Maybe. But then they'd want to back it up at Hidden Valley. You've got to see three rounds in a row because right now, sure, you turn in two in a row, that's fine. But it's it's that outward consistency that's the thing. Um, 
did did we feel a little bit for James Courtney not getting that race win? Or um, nah, no, nah, we were we okay with it because it was a really good drive in the end. A little bit. Mm. We'll just mm. get it done. Mm. Send yep. it. Well, yeah, yeah, yep, for sure, for sure. Uh, but he did have a good weekend. Uh, uh, Lee Holdsworth, I thought, had fantastic race pace. Couldn't qualify for. Crap, but gee whiz, he, uh, his race pace was good. Yeah, clearly trying to sort out what's going on over there in car 10 in the qualifying side of things. But at the same point, like I said, Reynolds was really good. So, And and that's now for, what, three events in a row that that team have been genuine contenders for a podium in almost every race. Yeah. So that's that's really positive. Um, other stories from it. What else do we look at from there? We, we've talked to Andre Heimgartner on the show. I, I thought he was really good and showed that promise that they've shown in car eight this season without actually delivering the results. So that was a typical Brad Jones thing is, is throw the four tires at it and see what happens. And it, it really paid off for them. It's an Team- interesting year for Brad Jones racing, isn't it? Because last year and maybe even the year before they had a very good first half of the year mm. and then really went off in the second half this year, it's sort of been a bit of a reversal, hasn't it? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit, for sure. They might, they might win Bathurst. Yeah. On that. Well, mate, stranger things have happened in this world. <laughs> you, uh, you were out there on Saturday night. How was the lighting situation? How was the vibe at night? Well, the vibe was outstanding. Um, the lighting situation really enjoyed. And look, Sydney Motorsport Parts likes lights are fantastic. There it's is daylight, no it is It is unbelievably good, that. But it's not night racing. Yeah. It, it's racing at night time. But the actual racing is in daylight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wanneroo was night racing. It, there was the light was good. You could see everything. So if you're a punter sitting on the side, you could pick the sponsors. You could pick the car number. All of that was great. But it was just dark enough that it was. It felt more atmospheric because of it. I thought. What does the broadcaster want? Day racing at night or night oh, racing the broadcaster, at night? The broadcaster probably wants the Sydney Motorsport Park, but at the same time, from a visual point of view, I thought the weekend looked amazing. And yeah. all the stuff, the drone cam was epic. The coverage, like, I don't think you missed anything on Saturday night than you did than you got at, at Sydney Motorsport Park on the Saturday night there. I, you even got the traffic jams at the end of it. Oh, yeah. Can I can I talk about that a little Please bit? Please do. <laughs> so... We'd made the call to stay at the track and work anyway because we knew that the traffic would be busy because there was such a big crowd and we were more than happy with that. But after about half an hour of cars driving out, we were watching the queue. The queue stopped moving. Oh, what's going on? And then the rumour mill started. Oh, there's been a crash. But then the word came back that there was an RBT set up, a bit of random breath testing. But the word that... That doesn't sound terribly random to me. No, well, the word that we got through (laughs) is that it wasn't random. It was they were, they had an RBT set up when you turn left and one when you turn right. So they were getting every single person coming out of the track. And if you've never been to Wanneroo, the main road out of the track is a single lane, like one lane each way, country road, right? Doesn't even have lines marked on it. So it caused an absolute nightmare of a traffic jam. And there were people stuck for more than two hours in the track mm. before they could even get out. Lord. Now, we don't condone drink driving. It's utterly stupid. Never do it. If you drink drive, you are a bloody idiot, as the ad says. But for the love of God, be a little bit strategic about where you put your RBT so you're not inconveniencing 10,000 people who are all trying to leave a venue having had a long day. Um, At least do it out on the two... Yeah. 
Lane Road where you can wave half the people through and get yeah. some sort of and have a random sample of punters. It's supposed sort to of be thing. random. So that look, it, it, this is we understand, mind you, hasn't hasn't been a hundred percent verified, but this is what we understand the story to be incredibly frustrating I, I feel for it and I, I feel for supercars and i feel for the sporting car club over at wa because they're the ones that cop crap because everyone was bitching and moaning about them about the traffic being horrible but they had absolutely nothing to do with it um based on the way the traffic cleared on sunday it wasn't a drama their, their traffic management was pretty good and they know what they're doing there by now so I don't necessarily feel for you though, because my understanding is that you might have found a back way out of the. No, well, we, we there's a back road out of the circuit, and it was open. And by the time we walked out, the officials were starting to direct people that way. Oh, okay. so they they'd worked it out. But if you're 50 cars deep in a traffic jam, you can't do a U-turn and go back the other way. So because no. both both lanes on this road were full of traffic trying to get out. So we, we were fortunate in that we could do the, the back road through the quarry, bit of rally cross, and um, we were out in no time. But it was just a really disappointing end to what was a great day. The other thing, boys, I wanted to touch on, having been there, was a, a point we brought up last week, was that did Saturday offer enough in terms of an event? And my answer and my thought to this is no, it didn't. I don't think the payoff for being there all day was enough with a 50 minute sprint race. Mm. I think there needs to be more flexibility at an event like that. Now, Sydney Motorsport Park, sure. You run your, your super sprint event format, you're sure to race on Saturday night. But an event like Wanneroo, where we're traveling halfway, well, all the way across the country, it's a local market, it's a really strong supercar market. I think it deserved more. It was a good day but there was a lot of faff to get to the point of that race starting. And then the race went for 50 minutes and then it was all over and people went home. I think there needs to be a longer payoff. So I, give I, me, give me a solution. Well, I think you make the race longer. Simple as that. I think that race needs to be 90 minutes. I think it needs to be 200 Ks. Um, and, and then two shorter ones on Sunday and two shorter races on Sunday. Sure. hundred percent. And that just gives people like, it, it would be like, Go, imagine going to the MCG at eight o'clock in the morning yeah. on grand final day to get your seat. But then the grand, the grand final only goes for a quarter and it's all yeah. over. That, that would, that's kind of the vibe. I think. Is that because the alarm went off incorrectly and people had to go? No, no just, it doesn't matter. No. Just, just be thankful that there weren't any podcasts in the days of three 20 minute races. Yeah. Well, yeah, but what a blow up that would have been a huge yeah, but, <laughs> but they weren't trying to do a 20 minute race on the Saturday night at a major event where they haven't been for three years. So like it's a different world. So I I just think, you know, we we're throwing all these different race formats, super night, super sprint, super mini enduro, super five hundred, rah rah rah. Like let's let's cater to the market we're going to mm. and go, all right, well, if I'm paying my hundred bucks to go to Wanneroo on Saturday. Yes, I get two practice sessions. Yes, I get knockout qualifying, which is frankly a bit of a waft hand when you get two 12-minute sessions the next day. Um, and then you pay off at the end of 50-minute sprint race. You just look at that and go, oh, I don't know if that's the bang for the buck I'm looking for. So okay. here we go, bang for the buck. We've got Formula One Miami this week. Mm. I heard that general admission tickets are 900 bucks, $2,000 to sit in the grandstand. What? Fantastic. Well, it's sold Cap it out. Capped at 80,000 people. And, and it's sold it. out. Brilliant. Fantastic. 900 bucks. Great. Whoa. There you go. <laughs> Good on them. What a... What a uh, and there's the only support. That is. The only supports is Crera Cup North America. 
Does uh, no. I think W Series might be there as well. But does everyone get a Rolex at the gate, or what's the go? And if we're while I'm on my high horse, people blowing up about the fake marina they've put in. <laughs> Who cares? Park your car. What it's a Miami. cool thing to do. A, it's Miami. B, it's Formula One. It's supposed to be excess. Correct. I saw some tweets going, oh, it's not very accessible. No, it's not. It's Formula One. <laughs> it is the absolute zenith of our sport. It should be completely outrageous. What are they going to think next year when they race past a fake Eiffel Tower at Las Vegas? Like, seriously, if that's the biggest issue in your life is complaining about a fake marina, which I reckon looks amazing, it's going to be incredible for TV and brilliant for Formula One. Good for on nine, 900 bucks at the Australian Grand Prix a few weeks ago, there would have probably been less people passed out before the race started. Well, true. Exactly. The track invasion wouldn't have been quite spectacular, but I reckon they still would have got 100,000 people there. It was 900 bucks for a T-shirt. Yeah, well, that's exactly. True. <laughs> uh, uh, looking forward to Miami, actually. It, should, it, it, it looks like it should be a good track. Well, and every, all the drivers are saying on the sim, it actually races pretty well. So yeah. I hope it, I hope it's a good show for sure. It's huge for Formula One. It's just a massive step in the right direction. And news this week that it looks like Porsche and Audi are coming. Um, talk that Porsche is going to take a stake in Red Bull and, and Audi are going to buy a team somewhere. So um, do they get out of sports cars? Porsche? No, yeah. no. She was as, as Porsche's number one commentator, you are a certainty to pick up the F1 gig now, aren't you? Well, I don't, I don't think, know if that's how it works. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think they dictate who commentates it. Oh, I'd, I'd have be, to say. I'd, I'd, I'd get pushed to put that in their contract. I'd be happy with a bit of career up North America at uh, Miami, though. That'd be great. I'd just Because I wouldn't have to pay 900 bucks for a ticket. <laughs> Interesting this weekend. It's a bit of a throwback to the uh, Las Vegas race of old in a car park. In a car park. But, uh, it's not actually a Tilky design. It's an Apex uh, yep. circuit design. They were the folks who put together the extension out at city motorsport park amongst correct. other things correct yeah 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 looks like a good track so no look it's fantastic Guys, is it a costco car park no it's the miami dolphins hard rock stadium oh, car park we, a bit more impressive past it we have it's bloody big that joint yeah they, they wanted to have it downtown at the causeway there like mm. proper downtown miami but um apparently all of the local people did not like that as a concept yeah. whereas at the moment only half the local people don't <laughs> like what's going on so yeah funny uh IndyCar on the weekend, guys. Yeah, a solid run from our boy Scotty to P6. Yeah. Yep, good win for Pato Ward for the McLaren and Will Powell fourth again. So Will, who traditionally makes very slow starts to his championships, has actually this year made a very strong start, very consistent start to his championships. So um, after qualifying very poorly... So, yeah, positive signs and another different race winner in IndyCar racing. So, yeah. A non-Penske one at that. Yeah, yeah, which was which is rare at the moment. So, um, month of May next, uh, GMR Grand Prix on the road course. And then, uh, yeah, then the Speedway. So, looking forward to uh, looking forward to that. And for Hunter McElroy, not a fantastic finish for him? No. No, it wasn't. No, well, we, we're yeah. not talking about that. No. Right. Uh, and the rain caused pain for NASCAR drivers. Which was disappointing at Dover. Uh Put off till midday Monday their time, very, very early in the Tuesday morning our time. Uh, actually turned out to be a decent race by all reports. Uh, Chase Elliott with the win, which will be good thing in NASCAR land, but uh, fairly racy stuff. Dover's been a bit of a basket case in recent years with the concrete track there, but uh, it actually raced pretty good with this new, new generation car. So it was just a shame that nobody got to watch it. Um, interesting next week, their race goes absolutely head to head with the Formula One at the same time. Great planning. Mm 
Yeah, yeah, growth planning. Oh, that's going to be an interesting ratings battle because it'd be Network NBC versus Fox Sports One uh, for the NASCAR, uh, ABC, IndyCar, uh, F1 race. Yeah. Is it okay? Yeah, right, sorry. Yep. yep, Network ABC. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, it could be the first time in history a Formula One race outrates a NASCAR race in American TV history. Oh, All the fans are at the track. Wash your though. mouth out. It's going to be big. It's going to be yeah, big. Yeah, it will be. Hey, boys, that's uh, pretty much it, isn't it? Yep, that's the show. Beauty. Great show it was. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, next week, Liquid Molly Bathurst 12-hour preview. I will be in Bathurst when we do it, so we'll have some vibe, hopefully. That Beauty. seems keen. Yeah, well, things happen. Um, Could we have you in a, a little live studio where you just bring people in and out with you at well, the track? Well, no, because no one else will be there by Tuesday, oh. but I will be. Um, <laughs> just some rando from, from down the pub. Because of re- here, Billy because the reasons. security guard. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think we'll have a very special guest. Uh, I can't tell you who it oh. is, but uh, because the news doesn't get announced until late this week. Um, but it's a decent name, so we'll get them in. And, and they'll be there um, Tuesday. No, no, I will be having them on Zoom. Oh, okay, but um, I can tell you now that uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, the news will be out that uh, both Chaz Mostert and Lee Holdsworth will be confirmed in the field, uh, driving two different Audis for Audi Sport Customer Racing Australia. Uh, will Brown and Jack Perkins will be co-driving with Mark Griffith in an Audi R8. So the their Bathurst One Thousand little pairing in Erebus will continue to the twelve hour. Um, and then there's a couple more driver announcements due this week, but by then the podcast will be out. So uh, there we go. You mock the idea of having rando Bathurst people on the podcast next week, but the other week on the racetalk.com, we did a feature on the Bathurst motorsport sign writer, Shane Fowler. Yep. And it absolutely went nuts. So I've, I've put the olive leaf out to Shane. If you know any other local, just general people, maybe the cleaner, Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Imagine getting the download from the cleaner, like up the triple eight end, very clean dunnies at the end of the day. But when you get down to Cali country, I tell you what, you got a bit of. What about there. the bloke from BP? Bert. Bert. I think he's an actor. Mm. No. I think that's actually, maybe he's morphed into Bert. He's just, yeah, he's just turned into the, um, turned into the character. And a shout out too, um, to our dear friend, Tom from Doric who I believe we wanted to get on the show and because he was right there smack bang center of the celebrations when Will Davison had a win the other day. Mm. It has but, been uh, said, it has been said that he now holds the record for the most amount of airtime for a non racing person on TV. Yeah. It's no, got to be close. He, he'll be a line item in the Repicon report for Doric. It'll just be <laughs> right up there be on car personnel signage, Doric guy, but uh, yeah, he can't join us tonight. Uh, because he got a free upgrade to business class. Yeah, one uh, A. Yeah. And he's hoping that the plane never actually lands. <laughs> he was the most emotional person at Wanneroo <laughs> when Will won, including yeah. Will Davison. <laughs> yeah, that's some long-term sponsorship payoff going on there. But uh, there was a longer is. there was a longer hug between Tom and Will than there was between Will and Rihanna. Yep. Yeah. Well, Doric started sponsoring Will back in two thousand four when he had his first driver. Team Dynamic at Winton. Yep. That's yep. a good... And it uh, finally paid off. It's a good payoff. Uh, 18 it, years later. It, they did win Bathurst a few times. And oh, that's yeah. Good <laughs> yeah, it hasn't done too bad. <laughs> All right, boys. Catch you next week. Bye for now. See ya. And catch you next week right here on The Grid. Uh.